the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Alpha Wealth Hour. Presented by the Alpha Wealth Group. The show that brings together the trilogy of estate, tax, and retirement planning. The show that teaches you how to make all the right moves with regard to money making, tax savings, and estate protection. Are you ready to thrive through the financial chaos? Here are your hosts, Tom Fortino and Brian Usolding. Good morning, everyone. It's always a great show, packed full of information. I say have your pencils sharpened, pens ready, pens ready whatever writing instrument you want to use. But we're going to get into, we actually have a special guest today, and we're going to get into a number of different ideas. We have or different strategies as it relates to your overall plan. You know, we are a retirement planning specialist. But what makes us unique and make what makes us different by design is we look at every aspect of your plan. And the reality is if, you know, we talk about five pieces of it. What is your income plan? What is your investment plan? What is your asset protection plan? What is your tax plan? And what is your estate plan? Any one of those areas that are overlooked, well, you could potentially uh, be setting yourself up for failure, your family. And so this is why we, we are different as a firm and what we do as a firm. We're an investment advisory firm. We do portfolio, money, private money management. But we do it with, uh, what I call comprehensive, complete uh, retirement planning. The area we're going to talk about today is the estate planning. And, you know, there's so many areas we talk about. Look, this is not, it's never, never a pleasant thing to talk about, but unless you figured something other, some other strategy out, I'd say at some point we're all going to pass away and that's part of life, but you just never know when. Right. And I would also add the potential of it during your lifetime, being able to act for yourself, either physically or mentally. And if your estate isn't buttoned up, Everything you own, including your home, cars, checking and savings accounts, CDs, fund, mutual funds and stocks, homes, everything, you can go through probate and it costs you tens of thousands of dollars and everything you own could be tied up for a year or longer and your estate could even be double taxed by the government. I mean, you think about all of these things your whole life. So this is why we are so adamant about having these things in place when we talk about retirement planning. How many of you that have an investment advisor or some advisor insist on having these things in place. We do. And so today, again, we've got a special guest, uh, Frank Salerno of the Salerno Law Firm. And so I can defer and say, you have a legal opinion here. It's not just my opinion. So uh, welcome, Frank. We have a lot to talk about today. You are the expert. I'm going to call you an expert today. I hope you don't mind that. An uh, estate planning expert. He's also a tax uh, tax attorney, too. So this is terrific. Well, Tom, thank you very much. <laughs> You're very kind. You may be giving me more credit than I deserve, but... I appreciate it. Thank you. Nice well, you, to see you as you've always. You've heard Frank before. He's been on a number of times. We've been working together for I'd probably almost 10 years now. It has been that It's, it's hard amazing. to believe it's been that long. It's amazing. So, you don't look that old, Tom. <laughs> we do all these things in-house. That's what I love about it. It's really fun because I will say this in all sincerity, and I tell all our clients this. This is arguably the best thing you can do for your family, and I think the timing is right because we're going to be around family. People we love and people we frankly don't love so much and uh, can be a pain in the you know what. But this is why this is all great. So let's just talk about when we talk about estate planning, what that means. And let's get into it. I think one of the first things we hear, and maybe this is the best way to approach it. There's so much to talk about. We're going to get into beneficiary designations, how you title your assets. Are you actually organized in uh, different 
uh, directives and so on. Not just the trust, the powers of attorney, medical powers of attorney. We'll talk about the essential documents. This is really going to be a great show, so I'm excited. But let me talk about one of the first things we hear all the time. This is one of the, uh, we call them the top 10 estate planning mistakes. One of it is, well, my estate's not that big. So what's the, re- what's the, imp- right? You hear that? I don't know if you hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Well, it's not that big. It's no big deal. And sometimes uh, a lot of advisors say it's not that big. Don't worry about it. You know, I, I would agree. I always say, you know, one of the misconceptions of estate planning, you know, for me, the biggest is misconception is in estate planning is, is estate planning is only for the extremely wealthy and I don't have enough money and therefore I don't need an estate plan because my, my estate is small. But there, there, there's so many other things that go into estate planning that have absolutely nothing to do with a person's net worth. And mm-hmm. so there, there's just so many other things to consider and so many other things to look at. And, and you know, not having a plan in place, regardless of what your net worth is, can potentially be a, a huge mistake and could cost you thousands of dollars in expenses that otherwise could be saved for your family. So in the state of Illinois, let, let's say, talk about this. If someone's, because I've heard this, well, my estate's worth under a million dollars, so I'm not going to have an estate tax. Really, probate court, and maybe you can correct me, has nothing to do with the state tax, the tax you're going to pay for the most part. It's really, so it's not that my estate is a certain value. What exposes me to probate court? Well, you're right. When when you get into the estate or inheritance tax, as most people think of it, you know, when a person passes, there's two different estates that are created. There's an estate for estate tax purposes, you know, and that's anything that you have any sort of ownership interest, regardless of how you own it. If you control it, it's included in your estate for estate tax purposes. The other estate that's created is your probate estate. And, and they're, they're very, very different. A probate estate is assets that are in your name individually that do not have either a joint owner or do not have a beneficiary on them. So let's take a life insurance policy, for example. If you have a million-dollar life insurance policy and you have a beneficiary on it, let's just say your children, and you pass away, mm-hmm. and you have a living beneficiary. That is an asset. That million dollars is included in your estate for estate tax purposes because you owned the policy, and potentially you have to pay inheritance tax on that million-dollar death benefit or your kids do. That asset is not a probate asset because that asset has a beneficiary on it. And I guess the really question that you have to ask is, is if I were to pass tomorrow, is are my assets set up in such a way that somebody could immediately take ownership and take control of them? So again, get back to that life insurance policy. The mm-hmm. answer is yes, because the beneficiary with your death certificate claims the money. Same thing with your IRA with the beneficiary. Same thing with the bank account that has someone on it. And so the flip side of that though is, is, is well, what if I have a bank account that doesn't have anyone's name on it? Or, or a home. What if I right. have a home that was joint with myself and my spouse and my spouse is predeceased? So now that house is in my name individually. Your kids can't automatically take ownership of that. That's an asset that has to go through the probate court. And so again, the question all comes down to, as you said, is, is titling. How are your assets titled? And so in order to avoid probate, what we need to do is is to make sure that when we pass away, there is a living owner on title to our assets, whether that's a joint owner, whether that's a beneficiary, or I, I think we both will agree that the best solution would be a living trust. But again, it comes back to your first question is, is, is two totally different estates that are created. So if we go, you know what, I know the federal exemption is over $5 million. They're talking about going to 10. I'm nowhere near that, so I don't need to do any planning. Okay, you don't need to do any planning for that first estate, which is your estate for estate tax purposes. What about the estate for probate? Again, it all comes down to ownership. Yeah, so what that's a good, I guess that's a good segue into how assets are titled. This, I, you know, again, it's hard to always say, well, this is the most important, this is the most important. A lot of what we're talking about is very critical, but I think when we talk about titling of assets, 
you mentioned beneficiaries. Beneficiary designations, if set up properly and there is a valid beneficiary, um, they will go. Sometimes, and we're going to get into beneficiaries. I, we want to talk about those because there's issues there. What happens if you have a 10-year-old, a minor child? Uh, what happens if there's no beneficiary on it and you forget to put some? What if you have an ex-spouse on there? So we can, we're going to have an entire conversation. I want you to stick with us as we talk about beneficiary designations. We're also going to talk about um, titling. I guess we'll spend some time on that because that's maybe the most important aspect of your planning. Titling, you know, you mentioned the trust, Frank. A trust is really a title to it, and and we'll get into that. What I want to do first, though, is, look, if you want to get some of this information, you know, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to offer a lot of different things, but if you're wondering, where am I at? What do I need to do? What are the first steps? There is a process here. You know, we have an asset organizer that's on our website, or you can call us and get that. It is a downloadable document. You can sit there and type in it. It's interesting because people will go through it and say, I forgot. I opened a bank account last year, and I only put my name on it. Oh, by the way, who are my beneficiaries? It's set up where you have to fill in the blanks. It will force you to do an accounting of everything you have. But better than that, here's what else we'll do. is if For those of you, and you know we're a retirement planning specialist group, we do income planning. Uh, we do tax planning as part of our firm. We do all of these things to create a solid retirement plan. Today, we're focusing on the estate planning aspect of it. But for those of you that are serious about this and want to review the entire uh, spectrum or the, every all these five pieces of your plan, if you want to schedule some time, we offer this. There's no cost or obligation to this. And now we have Frank here. I'm going to make an offer with him. We bring in your documents, too, is part of this, your tax returns. We'll review everything with you. You will walk out of there with a comprehensive retirement master plan that will include estate planning, asset protection, and tax planning. So if you're serious about this, you give us a call, schedule a time. We'll take the first five calls. Again, no, no cost to even reviewing your estate planning documents. This will be a great exercise to go there, especially before end of year and especially before we're talking about family. So if you want to take advantage of that, give us a call, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185 to schedule some time time again to start this whole process. I'm telling you, it could be the best decision you make before the end of the year and really put you in a good position and really feel good about where you're at. Um, and also, you can go to our website and download a lot of the information, Six Essential Documents, Bulletproofing Your Beneficiaries. So anyway, a lot to get into. This is really, as I said, one of the best things you can do because, um, you know, the, the end result is I always say either during your lifetime or after your assets will either be controlled or flow through these documents. If you don't have these in, things in place, someone else will make, be making decisions for your family. That's a fair statement, right? Yeah, that's a fair statement. When someone else <laughs> makes those decisions, you know what? may not be the decision that you like or the decision that you would want, but unfortunately, without any planning, it's the decision you're going to be stuck with. Okay, so we have so much to get into. Stick around, because we're going to talk about asset titling. What does it mean if it's individually titled, joint titled, um, joint t- titles with rights of survivorship, title to a trust? There's so many things to think. And then we're going to get into beneficiaries as well. So you want to stick around. We have so much to get into today. You're listening to Tom and Frank here on the Alpha Wealth Hour on 560. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're covering that one aspect of your plan. Again, you know, as a firm, we're retirement planning specialists. We're pretty unique. We, we're an investment advisor firm. We do manage uh, privately managed portfolios. But what makes us unique, and I've been doing this over 20 years, is we incorporate tax planning. 
Um, how do you keep more money in your pocket? We 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 uh, incorporate um, your income plan, creating a plan so you don't outlive your money, an investment plan, an asset protection plan, and also an estate plan. Those are the five key components. If you can sit down and say, I've covered all five of those, check, 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 you've got a plan. We believe in that plan. I like to always say, when you look at this, that makes you complete. And today we have Frank Salerno, the, he's the uh, Salerno Law Group, uh, and we've been working together for, like we said, I think 10 years now, but... Because this is something that is integral to our to our process with our clients. We insist on it. I think it is the most important thing. Again, tough to say. <laughs> this is the most. It's certainly one of the most important things. And I would say maybe the most important thing you can do for your family is to have these things in place. Because if they're not in place, I sometimes say, too, these are problems that are asleep. If you are incapacitated, do you have powers of attorney? Otherwise, your family will be in probate. If you have assets titled properly or you don't have a trust in place, you have potential probate issues. Um, so these are things we want to talk about. How do you, we, we want to give you solutions to this. We want to give you the tools and the process to get this done. So we we have all kinds of information available. If you want to go to our website, alphawealthgroup.com. I'm going to get it to get, I'm going to get into in a minute here getting organized, but I want to talk about, you know, these are things, the asset organizer is on there. So this is a document you can use as your worksheet because it's going to force you to start answering some of the questions we go through. You have to, you know, filling out how assets are titled, who your beneficiaries, do you have life insurance, who those are, who those people are. So you'll be able to answer a lot of the questions because I can ask you, if I ask you this, are you certain how every bank account, every brokerage account, are you certain how your home is titled? Are you certain of all of those things? If not, here is the opportunity to start taking advantage of that. But let's get back to titling. You know, one of the things is there's individual titling, there's joint titling, there's there's more. But, you know, you can have some title in your corporation, but you can also have a trust, which I say is really a title. Um, what are the pitfalls to some of these things um, that people are unaware of? If you have something individually titling, that can really be a problem, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you say about, you know, these documents being important. You know, they are important, you know, and having these documents in place, you know, will save you money. There's no doubt about it. You know what it isn't? You know, people say, well, I'm going to buy a piece of real estate and I hope it's going to go up in value. That's speculative. It could go down in value. There's no going down in value here. There's value added day one. As soon as you yep. sign this these documents and you have them in place, you are going to save money, period. There's no, well, maybe this, maybe that. Just being out of the court system alone will save you thousands of dollars in money. So that is what it is. But getting back to your part about the titling, estate planning, absolutely, you're, you're 100% accurate, comes down to titling. You know, and, and you're right, there's various things, various ways to own property or various ways to have your assets titled. You know, and if you think about a, a couple, you know, for the most part, there's always the exceptions and there's there's reasons for everything. But for the most part, a couple has their assets titled jointly. You see right. everything. Look, our house is joint. Our bank accounts are joint. Our investment is joint. We've named each other's beneficiaries on a retirement account. You know, and, and that works great while both of them are alive. Again, let, let's get back to that house. And if the house is joint, you know, and this is really where we get stuck is with that surviving spouse. Because let's say the husband passes first. Well, his interest in that house is automatically going to his wife because mm-hmm. that's what the title says. Yeah. And so that's fine. People always go, well, we're covered. We're both on title. But the question I always have is, is okay, what happens now when the wife is the surviving spouse? That's an asset in her name individually. Yeah. You know, a lot of bad things happen with that property being in her name individually. And it's the same for a portfolio. It's the same for a bank account. It's in her name individually. And what are the bad things that happen? First bad thing that happens is is she gets in an automobile accident and she's incapacitated. Her health deteriorates. She can no longer make decisions. 
Who makes decisions with that bank account? Who makes decisions with respect to that investment account? Who makes decisions with respect to the house? If that house needs to be sold, how do we sell the house when mom's the sole owner and mom's incapacitated? That's a problem. Carry it one step further, mom passes. Again, yeah. those are accounts that are not set up where a, spa, a, a, a child could automatically take control of the bank account to pay bills, funeral bills, insurance bills, medical bills, whatever Sign the case may be. documents, whatever. Sign Just documents. Business, right. Can't do it. Same thing with the house. Mom passes and we want to sell the house. How do we do that when no one is on title? And so having assets in a person's name individually, you know, as I see it, it is, creates a lot of problems and is potentially the worst way yeah. <laughs> Same thing, even if you go, oh, I got so-and-so on as a beneficiary on my life insurance. Yeah, what happens when that person dies? As you said earlier, what happens when I get divorced from that person or have a falling out with that person? You know, the other thing I guess to keep in mind is, is what about creditors? Yeah. I mean, so when you've got an account in your name individually and you're sued for whatever reason, business goes bad, you're in an automobile accident, all of those assets are at risk. You know, so again, what are we looking at? We're looking at a problem in the event yeah. that I get sick, a problem in the event that I pass, and a problem in the event that I get sued. <laughs> yeah. That's why I come back to is, good. Is a little bit of planning is going to save me money right off the bat because I just resolved all of that. Yeah, you know, the thing, I'll make a couple quick comments here and you can comment on my comments. But uh, when I get, sometimes, uh, and that's a common thing, spouses will say, well, my spouse is on it, and that's okay. Well, what happens if there's a common accident? Well, that goes all so there's another potential pitfall. So I wanted to, a couple of things I want to address here from titling. So when we talk about a trust, that solves everything you just said, right? Because from the standpoint of now it exposes it trusts don't die, so they're not going to probate. Got rid of that. Well, I should say trust and power of attorney. You have a financial power of attorney. The person is incapacitated. Now you can act for that person. That's why when we call these the, when we call these the six essential documents, you've basically if they're set up properly, you've basically just taking the court system out of you and your family's life. And so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot more benefits because now, you know, it's private. The people that you want um, to act on your behalf are the people that you choose. Now you make the decisions, and it's not somebody sitting on a bench in a court making decisions for your family. That's why this, I say time and time again, I get adamant about it. One of the best things, if not the best thing you can do for your family. I think you're right, Tom. I think the best thing that you can do is a trust, you know, and we can come back to that for a second because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening right now who go, I have the best solution of all, and that's I'm the surviving spouse and I'm going to put my kids on title to to my assets. You know, and they go, well, I'll add my kids to my bank account. And so if I get in a car accident, um, my kids could get into the account because they're on it. If I died tomorrow, my kids could walk into the bank because they're on title. And so again, people will sit and people will tell me, I have that covered because I'm going to put my kids on title to my property and to my securities and to my my bank account. And I would say, yeah, I like, I, I honestly like having assets held individually better than I do putting children on, yeah. you know, and not wow. that kids are bad. Um, the problem that you have is, is, is just like, so your kids can go into the bank and access that account in the event that you're sick, but they can also go into that, into the bank and access the account in the event that you're healthy and take your money. <laughs> yeah. And and again, I'm, I'm not saying that kids yeah, would do that, of course. But the bigger problem that I see, again, I come back to the creditor problem. I put my son on title to my bank account. I put my son on title to my house. And then he gets in a car accident. He thinks he's got the best idea for a business venture that ever came along, and it's not. And he gets sued. Yep. Now, I'm fighting his creditors because his creditors go, well, you have an ownership interest in this house. You have an ownership interest in this bank account. You have an ownership interest in the securities. And so you've exposed your assets to your children's creditors. So those people listening to us today who go, I've got that solved because my kids are on my account. 
I would absolutely take a second look yeah, at that and give us a call and we can talk about that because that's a bad scenario. It gets worse. Now, you expose, you, basically, you expose your children's problems to you. I'm going to make another couple of comments, but let me make this offer again because you can see there's a lot of moving parts here. First of all, what are the documents you should have in place? Trust, powers of attorney, medical powers of attorney, poor of a wills, personal directives. In addition to that, you know, understanding how you want to set things up. Who should you name as trustees? This is, uh, this is just one piece of it. Everyone's situation is unique. And, you know, this is again, and just, it's just one piece of your overall plan. And as a retirement planning specialist, we do the investment planning, income planning, maximizing Social Security, minimizing taxes. We do the estate planning, the asset protection, which we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. All of this. And if you've done documents already and you're not sure and you'd like to have a review, are they? we're going to get into funding in a second to trust. Who are your powers of attorney? Who are the, who are the alternate powers of attorney? Who, how is your beneficiary set up? All of this is something that we'll, we'll do, and we, there's no cost or obligation. We have Frank here who's part of, he's, we teamed up with him, and we've been working for years. So this is an opportunity. If you bring them in, we'll review them for you. Are there areas you need to make some changes to? This is a great opportunity to take advantage, especially this time of year. So if you're serious about it, as I've always said, we're serious. You know, we office us throughout Chicagoland. You give us a call, the first five callers, no cost or obligation, 800 800- Seven four eight three one eight five. This is for a comprehensive estate tax investment retirement review. You'll walk out of there knowing the next steps to take. Again, could be the best decision you make as it relates to your overall plan this year and any time at any time in your life. Again, if you're serious, give us a call. 800-748-3185. 800-748-3185. There's so much here, Frank. I just you know to get into. We talked about titling. We're going to get into beneficiaries. But I want us to come back, when we come back, talk again about putting a child's name on an asset. We want to talk about minor children. How do you deal with that? A lot to get into. So really stick around. Again, keep your writing instruments sharpened or ready to poised to go. You look at the Tom and Frank here on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground so far, and we have a lot more to cover. And we won't cover it all, because we only have an hour. That's why we offer resources for you. That's why you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. You can download things like the six essential documents, bulletproofing your beneficiary, the asset organizer. We've talked a little bit, and we don't have a lot of time in this segment to get into beneficiary, so we'll save some of that for the next segment. But I do want to talk a little bit more about titling because there are ways assets are going to pass, either by title by or or how they're going to be treated or by beneficiary. We're talking about the title right now on your on your uh, accounts. One thing I want to mention, we, Frank was talking about putting a child's name. That's a title, number one. Um, there's a lot of pitfalls to that. Obviously, you're exposing yourself to the child's problems. Um, you know, you have a home and you put their name on it, as Frank was saying, creditor problems, potential um liability issues. You also have, what if the parent child gets divorced? What happens if you want to sell and the child doesn't? <laughs> I mean, the child can te- technically can say, I'm not signing. I'd, not that these things happen, but you see how you're opening up to all these problems. If you do a trust, all of the problems we just talked about go away, right? Because now the child's the beneficiary. So we can talk about that. I, you can tell me, is this a valid explanation? I say, think of the trust as another title, because now the home will not now will not say Gene Smith individual or John and Gene Smith. It's going to say the Smith Family Trust. That will be the title on your deed. That will be the title on your bank account. I mean, is that a valid to say it's really 
I know it's more than that, but it is a title. It is a title. I mean, you know, it's called a living trust for a reason. I mean, it's a trust that comes into existence the time that you sign it, and it's a valid entity, a valid document, and it is a title. It's a way to title your to title your assets. You know, the other part about though about the kids on on title. So you're right. There's creditor problems. There's control problems. You know, there's potentially tax problems as well because you know when I add a child to my deed, you know now of course you have the question of is is well, what does that do to my exemptions? You know, I've got a non uh, senior maybe living in the pro- uh, on title. I've got a non homeowner living on title. Does that have any impact on my real estate taxes and my real estate tax exemptions? What about income taxes? When the property is sold, it's bo- it's sold by somebody who hasn't occupied the property as their primary residence, yeah. and so you're potentially dealing with real estate tax increases and income tax increases. And so just the, the, you know the, the pitfalls are there. You know it'd be different if you said, well, there's no way to solve these problems. The problems are just there. Problems exist in life. We just have to deal with them. There are such and there's such an easy way to solve all of these problems it's, with the it's truck. inexcusable. I always say it's it's non-negotiable with my clients. I even go so far as to say we just can't work together unless you do this. I'm sorry, and you know I don't get compensated for it. I mean it's compensation to say it's I know you're in a good place, but that makes me so uncomfortable. And that's why again Frank's part of the team. We do this because it's so important to have these things in place. One last thing I'll talk about um, with the titling, and then we'll get into beneficiaries. Just keep in mind, retirement accounts, all types of IRAs, 401ks, they have to stay in the individual's name during their lifetime. So people will say, well, I can't joint title that. It's got to stay in my name. I can't put it in the trust. It's got to stay in my name. That's a true statement. So you have to be aware of how to deal with that, too. But that can be a potential problem as well, right? Not so much death if the beneficiaries are set up properly, but incapacitation. Because your name has you can't change it, Right. Well, you're right. You can't change it. And so if the owner of the account, which is one person, is incapacitated, you can't change who the beneficiaries are if you want to. And what happens when that purchase, that person reaches 70 and a half? You know, and how, who's taking out the required minimum distributions? You know, what if it's in fund A and fund A isn't doing very well? I want to switch to fund B. How do we do that if the account owner is incapacitated? You know, and, and so again, there's plans to solve all of this. You know, we'll get into potentially powers of attorney, but we have documents in place that <laughs> yeah. cover what happens in the event that I'm incapacitated. Yeah, that's what we call, I don't know if we're the right term, living probate, because yeah, the person's still alive. If you're a beneficiary and you're a spouse, I always say this, if you're a spouse, call your client or your husband or, sp- or wife's 401k plan and ask for information. I'm going to tell you, this is a true story. This was a couple weeks ago. My wife and I were calling the 401k plan. We were doing some other ideas and we're trying to overfund. That gets into whole other ideas of after tax planning and whatever. Asking questions. I'm sitting there on speakerphone with my wife and they said, is it okay if we talk? I, it's like, what am I invisible? Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's true. They won't talk and I'm with my wife. And they had to get her permission to even speak to me. Yeah. <laughs> so that asset becomes frozen. And how do you, what do you do? That's a, right? It's frozen. If, you're, if your spouse is incapacitated or whoever else is incapacitated, that's a frozen asset. It, you know, you're right. It, it absolutely is a frozen asset because it's an asset that's owned by one person. They can't do anything with the ownership. <clears throat> 
And so, again, misconception. People think, oh, I have a beneficiary. So if something happens to me, my wife's the beneficiary. It's not a frozen asset. Beneficiary only triggers when you die, yeah, not when you're incapacitated. And so, you know, again, the estate planning covers is designed to cover both aspects. What if a person dies? What if a person is incapacitated? We want to cover for those frozen assets. And the other thing I'm sure we'll get into before we're done is, is you know, with the health <clears throat> decisions in the event that someone's incapacitated. Yeah. And so, again, it's really two parts to it, death and incapacitation. we got to have both sides of that covered. And, again, it's easy to do. There's it no is. reason to it's, be in, in the court system so when easy. you die or when you get sick because these are all problems that could be very, very easily resolved. Yeah, and when someone says it's no big deal, uh, get up and walk away. So these are things we want to get into. There's so much to get into still. Um, you stick around. We're going to get into some beneficiary designations and what does that mean. Um, also, if you get a chance, go to our website, alphawealthgroup.com. A lot of this information, we have all types of reports there, and it's free. Again, so you have no excuse. Alphawealthgroup.com if you want to download some information. Coming up, we're going to get into beneficiary designations as well and how to set those up. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're covering that aspect of your overall plan, uh, estate planning. That means setting up the right things, making sure your wishes are fulfilled, making sure the court system does not get involved, and uh, you know, providing whatever it is you want to have happen will happen. And you can make all of that happen. We've talked about it. We've covered asset titling. We've covered or how you title assets. We've covered types of documents you said have in place, trust, powers of attorney, medical powers of attorney, and making sure... That it's, you know, you can have a family meetings too. This is another great opportunity, which I should mention, you know, around this time of the year to sit down and talk about. So if you get some of this information off our website or if you come in and see us, now you can follow up and, hey, say, you know what, I'm thinking about putting some of these in place. Who wants to be, who would want to be a trustee? Um, you may be, in, you may be, um, you may be surprised that one child may say, you know, I'd rather have my brother or sister do it. These are great conversations. And we've had family meetings before, and it's amazing some of the discussions that happen. You find out what your personal wishes are, because otherwise your children are maybe sitting around a table if something happens, asking each other, what was it dad and mom wanted, and they're not sure. That's why I say this is so important, and even on an emotional level, not just the the uh, you know X's and O's, as we like to say, and how you set things up. So this is why we get a little excited about, you're animated about people putting these things in place. Um, we've given you resources. I'm going to make a couple more offers here. And uh, so let me get into uh, this thing we've talked again, titling. We talked about living trust. That's a title. By the way, if you have a trust, make sure your assets are titled to it. It has to be funded. If you have a living trust and your home still says Bob and Gene Smith, not in your trust. So you need to make sure the trust is funded. You have to fill it up. Um, and that's why we offered opportunities to come in. We'll make that in a, in a second here again. But let's talk about beneficiary designations. And the asset organizer, which is something else I talked about, this will cost force you to do what we call a beneficiary audit. Call all the companies. This is something we tell everyone to do. Confirm who your beneficiaries are. I've come across individuals where their ex-spouse was a beneficiary when they did the, when they checked into some of these things. And this is this is an interesting one. With this, this was something happened here where a telemarketing executive, this was a story in the Wall Street Journal. All his assets were to go to his children. This is what his will said. Okay? And uh, after a lifetime of savings, what ultimately happens it was in his 401k and other retirement savings, and it often hinges on what you put down as your beneficiary designations. And if you haven't updated the paperwork, 
and how your life has changed, you might not be able to leave your wealth to your heirs as you wish. Instead, it could go become bureau, bureaucratic nightmare. And so what happened was he had, uh, he had, uh, he's, it should have, I'm sorry, he, he died, uh, but this was last year. He should have asked his wife to sign a waiver. This was on his 401k and, and then named his children as beneficiaries. Because he didn't, his wife inherited it, although he married her only two months before he died. So the three children were disinherited on his entire 401k. This is why we talk about doing this stuff. So we can talk a little bit about beneficiaries and the problems there. Obviously not having somebody. I think it's pretty common. People say spouse first, children second. But the first step is obviously understand who they are. But you can also have issues as to, um, you know, minor children, right? So we need to really understand how beneficiaries are set up and, and how they pass. Well, I mean, I think we need to understand that. And as you say, we, we need to go back and revisit them to make sure that they're complete and that they, they reflect our current wishes. You know, and I, I have a lot of people, you sit down and you ask them, who's your beneficiary? And, and a lot of people can tell you who their primary beneficiary is. When you always ask that second question of is, is who's, who's your contingent yeah. beneficiary? You know, that's where you hit that silence. I and mean, a lot of people don't <laughs> know when they go, I don't know if I have a contingent beneficiary. You know, and, and for a lot of people who go, well, I, I want it to be my children. You know, again, what if you had that retirement account and you've had it for a while? You've had that life insurance policy for a while and the kids were little. So you didn't put them on, but now they're adults and we've never gone back and updated those scheduled beneficiaries. Yep. So, you know what, we need to understand how they work and we need to make sure that we've got a primary and a contingent beneficiary. And again, people come back and go, oh, what's the difference? And again, the difference is, is if you have that life insurance, you have that retirement account, you have an account with a beneficiary and that beneficiary is deceased and there's no other beneficiary, that's an asset that has to then go back into the court system. And so beneficiaries are a way that you avoid the court system. Yep. But not having a beneficiary on it or a contingent beneficiary totally defeats the whole purpose of why we have beneficiaries to begin with. Yeah. And so again, we need to check those. Well, first, yeah, as you said, the problem is if there's only one person on it and it's just your spouse... The first thing is obviously you don't want to have someone if you if prior to people do it prior to their marriage they put somebody on that's not their spouse or they put so that's that's where we talk about doing this beneficiaries if you do nothing <laughs> and from this show if you do one thing you contact whether it's IRAs 401ks life insurance annuities anything that is a benef- what we call a beneficiary driven asset if you do that alone and you confirm who the beneficiaries are I'm telling you you're going to be surprised I'm 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 betting the majority of people will not will be surprised at who the beneficiaries are, um, not what you think they are. So it's all part of getting organized when I talk about confirming who your, whose title on your assets, who your beneficiaries are. This is all part of it. And so beneficiaries understand, too, your trust can be a beneficiary. I'm not suggesting you do that, but let's give an example. Let's say you have, child, you have children that are not adults. I always say, and if, they're, if your spouse is first and your children are second, the life insurance or the IRA company, they're not going to cut a half million dollar check to a 12 year old, right? I mean, how does that work? So what do you need to do? That's another potential problem or pitfall. Yeah. So if you have a 12 year old on as the beneficiary, I mean, again, I, so if the 12 year old receives these assets, you're absolutely right. A 12 year old is not going to get a check from XYZ insurance company. You know, so what happens is, is somebody has to take control of that money for that 12 year old. That's their guardian. And mm-hmm. so that's a court process. Somebody's got to get appointed their legal guardian. You're going to go, well, they have a mom still or they have a dad. No, it doesn't matter. Someone has to get appointed their legal guardian to take control of that money. You know, and so they go, well, it doesn't sound too bad. And what's the problem? I'm in the court system. Time. I have money. You know, the, the other issue that you have is that guardianship ends when that 12 year old becomes an adult. 
And under most jurisdictions, that's 18. So if you go, okay, well, at the age of 18 years old, that kid will, in fact, get the, all of that money. And so most of us listening going, yeah, that's too much money for an <laughs> yeah. 18-year-old to have. Yes. And so, again, the problem with children ours is, okay, they're minors, even if they're not minors. You know what? Again, we may view them as being young, but in the eyes of the law, they're adults, yeah. whether they act like it or not. And that's for us to determine. And so, again, maybe we don't want a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old, a 22-year-old to receive those assets. You know, the, the, other, the other part of that is, is, is what if a child is an adult, but they're disabled? Yeah. And so we're going to leave, we're going to name a disabled child as a beneficiary on life insurance on retirement accounts or on a house or mm-hmm. any other assets for that matter. Again, what are the problems with that? Well, that person's not going to be able to control it because they're disabled. The other problem as I see is, is what if that child's getting some sort of benefits mm-hmm. because of their disability? If we leave them a life insurance policy, we leave them a retirement account, we leave them an interest in a house. Have we just, have they just lost their benefits Yeah, because they have assets? Yep. You know, so again, you know, children, the, the problem or the, the planning for children one is, is they're minors. Yeah. They aren't quite as old as we want them to be, or they're not responsible enough is a better way, or they're, or they're yeah. incapacitated themselves. So we have to plan with to protect that. And that's where you can name a trust as a beneficiary if it's not going to be the spouse first, yeah, but then maybe the trust as a contingent. Let me do this again. I'm going to offer this. I offered it in the last, uh, first segment, but I want to extend this because you can see there are all these moving parts. How do I set up beneficiaries based on my, you know, my situation? How do I apply these things to my situation? Um, what type of documents should I have in place? This is just one piece of your overall planning. We're talking about estate planning. How do I title assets? And we go on and on. What about the tax implications? How do I pass things to my children and grandchildren in the most efficient manner? In addition to that, that's again, we're retirement planning specialists. This is all part of it. What we'll also do is we'll look at the whole plan. We'll look at your overall retirement plan. Can we minimize taxes? You know, make sure you have income that you can never outlive. Now you've got a complete plan. And so, you know, if you want to take advantage of this, we're going to offer it. There's no cost or obligations. I've talked to you about the reports and the information available on our website. This is also no cost or obligation. You've been listening to Frank. He's part of our team, and he'll look at the documents if you've done some. I mean, how can I make this any better? If it's important to you, I could send out all kinds of information. But if you can come in and sit down and talk and understand how everything applies to you, you know, again, maybe one of the best decisions you make, especially since we're going to be around family during the holidays. And you can talk to them, too, about these things. Check what you have in place and make sure that you're not blindsided and that your family has to deal with the court system uh, after you're gone or during your life. So give us a call again if you want to take advantage of this. The first five callers, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185. You'll walk out of there with a complete retirement master plan with a focus on the estate planning piece of it. I mean, it's 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 a I always say it's also uh, it provides some what I like to call financial peace of mind. One of the best things you can do for your family this year. So take advantage of it. We've talking about beneficiaries. We're talking about titling. One of the things that um, I always say, look, life insurance passes income tax free from beneficiary designations for the most part. Right. I mean, it is. IRAs, retirement accounts do not pass income tax free. So people sometimes question, again, you can name the trust as a beneficiary. I typically say name the spouse first because they have what are called spousal rollover privileges. There are, you know, some, if your child's a minor, I would say name the trust, obviously, as a contingent because if they're a beneficiary, you have someone in charge of the funds. Um, but if they're not and they're adults, some people say, do I name my child out? Let's say my child's 30 years old. I'm saying, you know, do I name them as the beneficiary or do I name them the trust? I have three children, right? 
there's a discussion there. There's not a right or wrong answer, but there's pitfall or there's there's differences between the two. Because when they take possession of that half a million or something, every penny's taxable if they cut a check to them, right? You're, you're correct. I mean, so if a beneficiary decides I'm going to take money out of this retirement account and it's it's something other than a Roth, they have to pay income taxes on it. Yep. You know, and, and so again, whether it's the children themselves as the contingent beneficiaries or a trust, I, again, I think comes back to the question. So I think from a tax, from a tax, a yeah. tax perspective, spouse is the primary beneficiary, children as the contingent beneficiaries is the best thing from a tax standpoint. But again, that's where I think you have to look at the the non-tax income tax reasons to that. And again, it comes back to the things we've already talked about. Do I have minor children? Do I have disabled children? Do I have children who just have really bad spending? Yeah, exactly. So that they don't care about the taxes. As soon as something happens, they're going to take this money out. They're going to give the government what the government has coming, and they're going to spend everything the next day. And so, again, maybe there's some tax disadvantages to naming the trust as the contingent beneficiary. That's a good way. But alternatively, that's better than the other options is the kids are going to frivolously spend the money the next day. And so while I start out with spouse and then the kids, I think we have to look at it and go, does that plan? work given the family dynamics. I would come back and say, is there st- circumstances where the spouse shouldn't be the primary beneficiary? You know, and, and again, I think everybody looks to it and goes, well, my spouse is the primary beneficiary. And my, my first instinct is to say yes. But then I think when you drill down a little bit on it, you're going to go, is this giving us the best benefit that we want? And in some circumstances, especially when the, 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 the account holder and the spouse are elderly, you know, and so again, is there a way to defer some of the income taxes by putting a younger beneficiary on rather than the spouse? The answer is yes. I mean, it's or it's a second marriage. Or it's a second marriage. You're absolutely right. You know, and again, and, and so again, I think you might start out with the with, with the kind of the basic rule, but then there's the exceptions to the rules. Yeah. Well, you know, the the second marriage thing, which we were getting into, that's is a little more common, obviously, today. And so when we talk about estate planning, you don't want to disinherit your children. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but. Um, those are things to think about in this estate planning. Look, you can set up a trust um, to be to hold assets for your spouse, but not give them ownership. And again, you can correct me on any of this. So they still have assets, but to the extent they don't go through this and they pass away, now it goes to your children. So if there is a second marriage, if there is that, or your spouse remarries or something, you don't disinherit your children. That's another thing that that's another nice thing that you can do with these if if that's your situation. Yeah, you don't, Tom. The trust itself would have three parts to it. You know, so let's say I set a trust up myself. My trust is going to have three parts to it. You know, my first part is going to say what happens while I'm alive. And without minimizing the importance of the trust, the answer is nothing changes. You know, that's the other thing. People think, well, when I set up a trust, have I lost control of my assets? And the answer is absolutely not. Yeah. So when I set up a trust, I... Part one, I'm the trustee, I'm the guy in charge, and I'm the beneficiary. You know, people go, how do I get money out of this trust? My question is, how'd you get money out yesterday? That's the same way you get money out tomorrow. Take it out, it's your money. No questions asked. That's part one. Part two is, well, what happens when I die? You know, and so for a lot of people, part two is, is well, I want the assets for, for my spouse. And so you're absolutely right. The assets potentially could stay there for the benefit of the surviving spouse. And then part three would be, well, okay, what happens when the surviving spouse dies? Then you're going to go, well, the assets are going to go to my children. Right. And I have all these parameters in place. What if they're minors? What if they're incapacitated? And so I have these protections in place. You know, so that's a plan that comes into existence now when we set it up. And it survives us when we die. Yeah. And so a properly funded trust, because it survives us and has these three parts to it, 
prevents the assets from going through probate and allows our wishes to be adhered to, whether it's a first marriage yeah. or second marriage, kids are incapacitated, you know, I don't like my daughter-in-law, I don't like my son-in-law, there's all means to protect yeah. it. The trust does that. Yeah, it stays in the bloodlines to the grandchildren, Absolutely. too, if, if, a, if one of your children predeceases you. I mean, we go on and on, we just don't have the time, so let me do this one more time. You know, we know the most important thing in life, if you think about it, it's your children, your grandchildren, and this is so why we talk about this. You're hearing we're retirement specialists. Why are you talking about estate planning? Because we believe it is fundamental to your overall plan. We insist on it. So I want to make this offer one more time because we can send out all the information. You heard us talk about a lot of different ideas. I hope we've got you motivated to do some things. Check your beneficiaries. Get your, get, uh, take the asset organizer. Understand what you have. Look at how your assets are titled. And then you can start to put a plan in place. But we'll offer for the first five callers, we'll do a comprehensive estate planning review. Bring in your documents if you've done them. If you haven't done documents, then you definitely need to come in. We'll also look at your overall plan. What about the tax implications, which we talked briefly about? What about your overall income plan and how that all integrates? This is a comprehensive retirement master plan. It, you know it's a master plan. It's including everything. So, again, if you're serious, there's no cost or obligation, give us a call, 800 800- Seven four eight three one eight five eight hundred seven four eight three one eight five. If you have a question, you can please call us or go to our website. We'll help you out in any way we can. So I hope we've helped you out, Frank. Thanks again for coming in. This is great information and important information. And hopefully we'll be seeing some people, right? Yeah, thanks, Tom. I appreciate uh, you inviting me in. It was good talking with you. And hopefully, as you say, we did give some good information to our listeners. Yeah, that's our goal every week. If you came away with a couple ideas, that we've had a successful show. So, again, give us a call, 800-748-3185, or go to our website, alphawealthgroup.com. As always, everyone, have a blessed week, and let's get to work. The Alpha Wealth Hour, presented by the Alpha Wealth Group, will return next Saturday at 9 a.m. For information or the questions about any of the content of the show, or to speak with Tom O'Brien, Call 800-748-3185. That's 800-748-3185. And be sure to tune in next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.